You're listening to the Creekside Church Sunday morning message. And now, a message from Pastor George. I'm, all, I'm always slightly uncomfortable when that happens. Because if, oh uh, yeah, just, it's me, it's a me thing. Hey, uh, welcome, I want to welcome everybody who's watching online, Hannah, I know you're watching, uh, Kelly Sealander, I know you're watching, my mom is watching uh, from Nevada, and everybody else who's watching, uh, Beers, Beers are watching from Camino, is that where they are? I'm, see, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to develop that muscle called a brain, and um, I want to welcome each and every one of you. Can we in-house let those watching online know that we love them by making some noise? And for all of you here today and watching online, it's such an honor and a blessing to have you join us uh, on this Sunday morning. Uh, We are grateful for you, and you have to know that you are loved and prayed for. Uh, I also want to take a moment and say thank you, Pastor Christina, for stepping in uh, last Sunday for me. So I was able to go celebrate my mom's birthday, I was going to say. She's 20 years older than me, so I'll let you figure that one out. But we got to celebrate my mom. Uh, No one won at bingo. Uh, I don't know if it's my purpose in life to ever win at bingo. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you, Pastor Christina. Great job in bringing the word and <laughs> speaking truth. I also want to say thank you to everybody who participated, served at, prayed for, given to, whatever, uh, for the trunk or treat we had last this past Tuesday. Yeah. It was an amazing event. Uh, I, I think close to a couple of thousand people uh, came through. Uh, on Tuesday night and you know when we get out there and we love people and we meet people where they are uh, God does some amazing things and I want to highlight one aspect of what we did last week just real quickly if you allow me we had this thing because when we brought it back two years ago after a number of years of not having it one thing I asked the leadership team was what are we going to do differently and what are we going to do to really meet people at their point of need instead of just putting on a cool event and passing out candy. And we came up with this idea of a prayer tent. Now, a prayer tent on a Halloween night uh, during a trunk or treat when everything was focused on getting candy and costumes and all that stuff, uh, you know, it didn't sound like a novel or creative or an effective idea if we're being, you know, factual. But um, last year, a number of people came and got prayed for. This past uh, Tuesday, even more people than last year came and asked for prayer. Uh, Let me give you some highlights from our prayer tent. Uh, A young man stopped by to tell, uh, I don't know who was in the prayer tent, and I know Ryan and Kate and Russ, Phil uh, manned the prayer tent and prayed for people, but a young man stopped by to tell those who were uh, facilitating the prayer tent that last year he came to the prayer tent in 2022 and asked for prayer, prayer over his kidney transplant. And he returned this month, or this year, uh, and saying three months ago that he had the transplant, he was doing well, and he attributes it to coming and asking for prayer at that prayer tent. 
uh, we had a substance abuse counselor stop by and asked about Celebrate Recovery that we host here. A young woman asked for prayer for her mental health and for her friend. Um, a little girl asked for prayer for her sister. Uh, prayer for healing of, of severe hurt and problems for an older mother. Two teenage boys uh, who were baptized in the Catholic Church a few days prior, wanted, they came up and asked for prayer for their family. A young woman asked for prayer for her family and their struggles. A sister was asking for prayer for her brother's sobriety. Tell me that that's not making a difference. And if we didn't have this trunk or treat, if we didn't put in the time and the effort and the resources and the manpower into doing that, those things would not have happened at that time. Uh, we also handed out 26 bags that had you know, what's my purpose booklet, uh, a book of, of life, uh, a you belong here card, right now media, and I don't know if you guys know this, but it's a free resource we have here at Creekside Church for every single one of you that has, it, it's a, a, a bank of, a resource of tr a tremendous uh, uh, thing, videos that help you grow in your faith and your walk with Jesus, and it's free to every single one of us. Uh, we have a, I said yes, uh, QR code for more information of how to walk with Christ. It goes to the webpage and, and gives people some of the next steps. See, this is why we're doing it, is to get the love of Christ outside of these doors into the face, into the eyes and the ears and the heart of people who are far from Jesus. So thank you for everybody who volunteered uh, and, and helped put that on. Uh, it was an amazing event. And uh, we, we left the night just going, wow, did you see how God moved? So that's why we do it. That's why we do it. And uh, we're going to have some more opportunities coming up in this, this next season uh, with Christmas and Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving gathering and all of these other things that we're going to do in the next couple of months. So uh, we're going to start. Father, prepare our hearts. Or actually, open our ears and stretch our hearts, Father God, for your truth to take root in our lives and begin to change us from the inside out. We are thankful and grateful for this place that you've given us uh, to gather and to be in your presence with other people. And it's in Jesus' name we give this time to you. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but with the war in Israel and, and a lot of different things that are you know, kind of some collateral effects of that, and just our world in general being kind of polarized uh, politically and, you know, uh, with opinions and all of that stuff. I think there's an overabundance of conflict, arguments, hate, and even selfishness in our world today. And, I, and, and the reason that we're starting this, this, this series is because I, I really feel the... I really feel compelled... To help us, every single one of us, to bring the love of Christ into our culture, into our sphere of influence, and really learn how to actually love the, the literal hell out of people in this community. I think one of the ways that we can do this is, is being more aware being more aware of God opportunities around us. 
Let me start by asking this question. How many of you have ever searched, ever Googled, which is weird as the verb, huh? <laughs> have ever searched online for weight loss? You don't have to raise your hand. It's a rhetorical question. I don't want to, yeah. And when you Google weight loss or weight loss aids or weight loss plan or whatever, you know just as well as I do, you get over 150 million results in one second. Millions of websites that make what? What do they make? They make the promise, right? They make the promise of a better body, better health, just by following their plan or taking this supplement or taking this pill. And what's even more stunning are millions of people actually buy into it. Last year, over $33 million were spent on various weight loss products. At the same time, the FDA reported that 39.6% of Americans are considered overweight. And that's just nuts. $33 billion. I think the conclusion that we all can come to is that our world is full of miracle cures. We want, we want the... We want the, the, the quickest way, the easiest way to get the most results or the results we want. The world is full of these miracle cures that never deliver on what they promise. Most of us are skeptical when something seems too good to be what? True. We're like, yeah, right. So in light of what I just shared with you this morning, I'm going to offer you something to radically improve your life. Not just radically, not just radically improve your life, but radically transform it in every way possible. It will make you happier. It will make you healthier. It will make you more fulfilled, and it will give you a legacy of lasting uh, that lasts far beyond your lifetime. Now, before you tune me out, Consider this. The reason so many people go for the miracle weight loss cure, that magic pill, even when they know and they're pretty convinced it won't work, we try it anyway, is because of this. Deep down, every single one of us, we want to live the best version of our life possible. Because deep down, we all want the best version of life possible possible. Would you agree with me? No one ever wakes up and says, man, I hope my life sucks today. <laughs> because here's what I know to be true. We were created, you and I were created by God with the desire to be fulfilled, to be filled with joy, to live a meaningful life, to live for something far more than just our own stories to really make a difference in this world. We, we search for, we, we desire uh, significance in this life. We, we desire significance and fulfillment. And today I want to offer you a pathway towards a life you've always wanted. And the good news is, it's not a pill. It's not a reading program. It's not a devotional. It's not an exercise plan. I don't need your credit card number to get it. And what I'm talking about here is one word, 
One word, and the word is this, generosity. Generosity. Today, we're starting a series called Live Generously, and I'm going to show you from Scripture, from the Bible, how living generously can open us up, open us up to the floodgates, uh, to the, that the result is living the best possible life we can live. And it also sets us on a path to joy, purpose, and ultimately make it, making a difference in this world. Now, as we get going, I want to take a moment to tell you what generosity is not. Okay, you ready for this? Listen to me. Generosity is not just about your money. I, hear me clearly when I say that. Generosity isn't just about money. And you may be sitting there going, thinking, oh great, you know, another message on money. Another series about money. But generosity has to do with so much more than our money. Is money a part of it? Yeah. Because we're talking about the totality of who we are and who God's created us to be. But a generous life, living generously, is about being generous in in a, a lot of other ways than just money. I mean, just walk with me here for a minute. minute. There are different ways we can be generous. Did you know that you can actually be generous with your thoughts? With the way you think? I mean, think about this. Are we generous in the way we think about people around us? Are we just maybe a little too opinionated about them? Have you ever seen someone at a store and the first thought in your mind is, what is wrong with that person? Why are they dressed like that? See, the Bible talks about loving our neighbors as ourselves, but how often do we give the people around us the benefit of the doubt? We make a judgment call based on how they look. We also must consider the way we think about ourselves because the reality is, the truth is, before we can think about others the way God thinks about them, we we have to view ourselves through God's eyes. Negative self-talk always is a reflection of an incorrect view of God. So I ask, do we pay attention to our self-talk? Do you ever think about what you think about? So we can be generous with our thoughts. We can also be generous with our words. The book of Proverbs says, Careless words stab like a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. Do you use your words to bring healing to other people around you? Do you speak life into their life, or do you speak death into their life? Do you build people up with your words, or do we tear them down? See, we could, now you're starting to pick up on what I'm putting down, right? We can be generous with our thoughts. We can be generous with our words. And yeah, we can be generous with our money. Listen, every, every time we give financially, it softens our heart and we become more like Jesus. Giving our finances, giving our money takes the focus away from me and it puts it on other people. Remember a couple of weeks ago, those areas of our life where we control the most is where we trust God the least. We can also be generous with our influence. 
Every one of us was given influence by God. It's up to us what we do with that influence. We can either influence people towards Jesus or we can influence people away from Jesus. Most of us, you know, would not be where we are today if someone hadn't made the choice to be generous with us with their influence. We all have influence. We all have networks of relationships. We all have connections of people around us. What would it look like if we used those networks and relationships and connections and influence to bless other people? We can also be generous with our time. Sometimes the best thing we can do for another person is take the time to stop and help. Maybe, maybe one of the best things we could do is take the time to stop and just listen. Or stop and maybe celebrate somebody. Are you using your time in a generous way? We can also be generous with our attention. We live in a world that is operating with an attention deficit. But we can be generous by giving people our attention. Are we, are we on our phone when we are with our kids? Or do we pass our tablet to our kids to pacify their time? I mean, we all felt the power of someone who is fully present with us. Are we fully present in conversations with other people? And we can also be generous with our stuff, with our things. I mean, because, look at, let's be real. We all have stuff. I was joking with my wife. No, I wasn't joking. I'm full transparency. I'm, I was being serious. I go, I feel like we live in a storage unit, not a home. But that's due in large part to me. I'm not. We all have stuff don't we? We all have stuff that we can use to bless others in creative ways. Do you see the point I'm trying to make today? Generosity is about far more than just money. Generosity is taking your entire life, everything of who you are, everything that you have, everything that you own, and using it to bless other people around you. And since generosity isn't just about money, we can also make this statement that generosity, generosity is for everyone. Generosity looks good on anybody. There's not a single person on this face, face of this face of this, I'll get it out in a second, face of this earth where generosity looks bad. Generosity looks good on anyone. And you don't, have to be a, you don't have to be rich to be a giver. You don't have to be a millionaire to be generous. In fact, let me give you a spoiler alert for this whole series that we're, gonna, that we're kicking off right now. The requirements for generosity are as follows. It's very complicated, so if you have a, a pencil and a piece of paper, I need you to write this down. Okay? It's, it's the... I just ratchet clapped. Sorry. Um... The requirements for generosity are as follows. It's a complicated uh, uh, equation. Write this down. It's this. One, see a need. See a need. 
see a need. Number two, you ready for this? Fill that need. <laughs> I didn't quite get it. <laughs> Were you going yay because it was not complicated? <laughs> or you understand? So listen, identify an opportunity and then take action. That's what we're talking about. You see a need and you meet that need. You fill that need. It's that simple. It's super simple. Your life can be completely transformed by the power of generosity if you are willing to become intentional about identifying the opportunities that God places around you and taking action to meet those needs taking action on those opportunities. And here's the bonus. If you do this, you will have a tremendous impact on the world around you. God will use you in ways that you, you know, never thought you can be used. This is our pathway to living a generous life, to living generously. It's being aware it's acting on, on, on what you see, and it's making an impact. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack these ideas, and I cannot wait to see how God transforms not only me, but transforms you and transforms this church through the process. So today, we're going to start with the first one. And it's the first step in our path towards living generously. And it's simply this, be aware be aware. It, it, it's awareness. It's having awareness. Stop. I mean, walk with me for a second. Stop and think just for a second about how many things we experience on a daily basis. Just a daily basis. There are sights, there's sounds, there's tastes, touches, and smells all around us, right? In fact, if we were to try and put a number on how often we use our senses, I guarantee you it would be impossible to do. Science and research tells us that our senses never stop working, even when we're asleep. We are literally sensing things every second of the day, all the time. And we live in a perpetual state of sensory overload. And because of this, our brains are working overtime to categorize everything that we're, you know, we're seeing, tasting, and experiencing. This is why you can wash your hands and not give a second thought about it. We do it mindlessly. And it's possible for us to experience hundreds of millions of things every day and only be aware of a few of them. I mean, if... if if you don't believe me, let's do something fun. Try this. Who are the last 10 people that you saw today? Not that you're sitting next to. That you saw. Who are, who are the last five people you talked to? And, and here, let me go a little deeper. What did you talk about with these five people? If you're anything like me, these are hard things to remember. The point is this. We are experiencing things every day, every single day, 
without actually being aware of those things that we are experiencing. Our brain's effort to categorize our experiences actually make it harder for us to fully be present and fully be aware of everything we experience on a daily basis. I mean, here's a prime case study, husbands. Your wife spends 20 minutes talking to you about her day. And then the last thing she says is, you never listen to me. And then you look at her and go, that's a funny way to start a conversation. (laughs) Yet when we look over Scripture, when we look, look to Scripture and God's Word, we see Jesus as a person who never seemed to miss a moment. Have you ever noticed this? That Jesus had an ability, this uncanny ability to maximize opportunities for impact and generosity and compassion. Jesus Christ. This morning I want to show you one of these moments. We're going to dig into Mark chapter 5, verse 21 and 30, through 34. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you've got your favorite Bible app on your device, you can click on it. If you don't, we've got the big Bible in the sky. It says this, verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again, and he went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, a leader, pretty prominent, important person, whose name was Jairus, arrived. And when he saw Jesus, this pretty prominent, important person, fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so she can live. And Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. So here we have Jesus with a crowd around him. Now let me give you a little bit of context of the story that we're reading. This, this happens right after Jesus healed a, a possessed man. Healed a, a possessed man of demons. And that was a pretty intense encounter for Jesus. And then he gets into a boat and he goes across to the other side of the lake and a large crowd is gathering around him there and Jesus had barely any time to get out of this boat when a very influential and prominent leader comes to him and falls down at his feet. And this is one of those moments that you know, no one can miss because it's happening right in front of his face. Not only is it right in front of Jesus' face, it's you know, it's also very, it's a very urgent situation. You have to come now. You have to take care of this now. The religious leader named Jairus has a daughter who is near death. She is dying. And Jairus has one request of Jesus. Come to my house. Come to my house and heal my daughter. And what did Jesus do? Jesus responds exactly how we would assume Jesus would respond how we'd expect him to. He drops what he was doing and he immediately goes with Jairus. And this is where this story gets interesting. It says this in verse 25. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from, or she had, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. 
For she thought to herself, if I just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped, and she can feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. See, as Jesus headed towards what appeared to be, you know, a very important, significant ministry opportunity, like this, this community leader is asking me for help, you can see how significant that may seem, how important. He's confronted by what appears to be a much more subtle, less significant situation. The Bible tells us that there was a woman in the crowd who was bleeding for 12 years. And this woman went to the doctors. And this woman was promised miracle cures. This woman was promised, you know, solutions to her issues. But nothing worked. And as Jesus walked by in the crowd, this woman makes a very bold and desperate decision. She was fighting her way through the crowd. And she reaches out and touches the bottom edge of Jesus' clothing. The bottom edge. He didn't grab her leg. He didn't rustle him down to the ground. He didn't grab his hand or his arm. She grabbed the very bottom of his robe. And as soon as she does this, she is miraculously healed. Now here's Jesus heading towards a very urgent ministry opportunity. Jairus, the, you know, a leader in the community, his daughter. And this opportunity with Jairus is obvious. It involves important and influential people. And time is of the essence. His daughter is near death. But right in the middle of this opportunity... Right in the middle of making his way there, Jesus encounters another opportunity so small and so subtle that none of us would blame him if he said, you know what, I'll take care of you, but I got to go over here first. I got to go take care of this first. And, you know, we would go, ah, totally understand. Totally get it. But look how Jesus responds. Says this in verse 30. Say it with me. Jesus realized at once... That healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look look at this crowd. They're pressing all around you. How can you even ask, Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Jesus was stopping what he was doing and where he was headed to look around to see who had touched him. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Here's what I want you to do. I bolded it. I underlined it. Verse 30. I want you to look at verse 30 for a moment. I believe this is one of the most profound phrases in Scripture as it relates to a generous life. The Bible says Jesus turned around in the crowd and asked who touched his clothes. And what we see here is that Jesus is demonstrating a remarkable awareness. Jesus is demonstrating here a remarkable aware in the middle of an urgent situation, in the middle of a significant ministry opportunity, in the middle of a large crowd, Jesus doesn't miss an opportunity. An opportunity. 
And the disciples are completely shocked by Jesus' response. They can't believe that in a crowd of people with everyone bumping up against him, Jesus would somehow have the awareness, the ability to see, to single out one dying woman who was, you know, who seemed insignificant when compared to Jairus and Jairus' daughter. I think the disciples are asking the same question that many of us here today would be asking. That I find myself asking, how in the world did Jesus do this? How was he so aware of his surroundings, of what was happening around him, that he didn't didn't miss a moment to be generous and compassionate to this woman? I think this is an important question for every single one of us. Because we are followers of Jesus. We surrendered our life to Jesus. He is our example of how to live here in this world. In other words, if Jesus was aware of the needs of others, then this needs to be our goal, our desire as well. Most of us live incredibly busy lives. Much like this story, we have things coming at us from every direction, don't we? Bills, finances, job, work, kids, kids' sports, kids' schools, kids' plays, kids' after-school curricular activities. Whatever it is, we have a lot of stuff weighing down on us and coming at us from every direction. Some of these things are incredibly urgent. They're important. Some of these things involve important people. And some of these things are, you know, right in front of our face. Yet how do we as followers of Jesus have the same level of awareness as our example, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus? How do we do this? The same level of awareness and generosity that Jesus had for this woman. I want to answer that question, but before I do, I want, I want you to understand why the question is so important. And it's uh, tied to a principle that we, must, we, we have to understand. Because being aware does this. It activates our generosity. Awareness activates our generosity. Being aware, noticing the need. The first step in a, to live generously is to become more aware of what's happening around us not just to us. People who are you know, successfully living this life of generosity, you know, they seem to have these antennas up all the time. Now, if you're under 30, what an antenna is, it's kind of that wire thing <laughs> that you see on some of your, the, the older people's car. Or maybe you go over to your grandparents and they still have that TV with the two antennas out. And what this large, wiry piece of metal does, it, it sits on top of, of something that needs to receive a signal. Its sole purpose is to pick up a signal that's being transmitted from a radio or a television tower a distance away. Now, listen, if we are going to cut through, if we're going to cut through you know, the sensory overload and identify opportunities to flex our generosity, then we have to learn how to have our... Uh, sorry. We have, to, we have to learn how to have our antennas up all the time. 
The disciples in the story were actually correct. Everyone was touching Jesus. Everyone was bumping into Jesus. Everybody was crowding around Jesus. But in the same way, we are, you know, we are intersecting with people all the time. There are people all around us all the time. But unless we develop and, and our ability to, to see the need and to be aware, then we won't be able to live generously. So how do we do it? How do we become aware of the opportunities for generosity that really exist all around us? Today, I want to give you one new habit to increase your awareness. I want to give you one new habit to open the eyes of your heart, to, to you know, uh, see the needs around us, see an opportunity that the Lord may be leading you to. And I believe if we add this one thing, this one key habit into our daily routine, it will give us the ability to do just that, the, the awareness we need to live generously like our Lord does. And it's this, every single morning, when you get out of bed, ask God to make you more generous. And I'm going to tell you, that's a dangerous prayer. If you're not used to it. If you're concerned or focused on yourself. Ask God to make you more generous. And I promise you, and I know this from personal experience, that this little prayer daily will change your life. Prayer is essential if we're going to become more aware of the opportunities around us, and it, it makes sense, doesn't it? If we're going to be generous to others because of God's love for us, shouldn't we start the day by inviting Him into our efforts? We cannot give out what we're not receiving. Our world is loud. Our world is filled with noise. And we're going to need some help to tune our hearts to the opportunities that God has for us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 12, 12 verse 2. He says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let who transform us? Transform us into a new person by doing what? then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You know what Paul is doing? Paul is inviting us to let God transform us by changing the way we think. Because what I know to be true, awareness always starts with a shift of perspective. It starts with, it begins with a shift in this perspective that we have. We need God to give us a new perspective. We need God to give us God goggles. Because human nature is to walk through life in selfie mode. You don't believe me? When somebody takes a group picture of you and hands it to you for the first time, who's the first person you look at? You look at yourself. And here, talk about selfie mode. Because our, listen, our default, our default is self-centeredness. That's our default setting, is self-centeredness. I mean, how many times do you see on Facebook? I don't post a whole lot on Facebook, unless the Warriors win. And, uh, but I go on and check it because, you know, a lot of people in our church will message me through Facebook. Uh, and I have to. But 
you know, how many times do I see scrolling through my Facebook things like, the, I'm, I'm talking about the self-centeredness and self walking through life in selfie mode. People will do this oftentimes. <laughs> I can't even do it right. <laughs> Just worshiping the Lord in church. <laughs> Trunk or treat. Living that blessed life. And what you're seeing is their face, right? You don't see, like, really it should be uh, worshiping the Lord in church with other people. See, we got the lens on us. And what happens is when we got the lens focused on us, we're missing what God's doing in the lives of other people beyond that camera, beyond our phone. Plus, I don't know what the duck face has to do with worshiping the Lord on Sunday morning. But every single one of his room on Facebook has seen that. Loving my vacation, hashtag blessed, and you see nothing but their face. I can't even, I can't even do like, I got some friends that can like put on a face for a selfie. And listen, I'm a recovering like face only poster. I mean, I, when I was running four days a week, I, if you go to my Instagram, and go back to the first pictures I've ever posted, it was me after a run showing you that I ran <laughs> by showing you my face, all sweaty. But there's proof that I used to be a runner. Okay. <laughs> Self-centeredness is our default setting. And it keeps us from being aware of the opportunities to live this life generously and being generous with people around us. They're all around us. We need to start developing awareness by spending time with God. Spending time with God who created us, who, who gave us the very breath, who gave us, you know, who created our hearts to be generous in the first place. Imagine if we started every day with a prayer like this one where you just ask God, God, I want to experience the joy. I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I want to ask you today that you give me opportunities to be generous. That opportunities will come my way, that you'll open doors, that I will recognize it when it does, and that I'll have the courage to jump in and give. See, I promise you this, people. If you make a commitment to pray that prayer every single morning, you will, you know, be absolutely amazed at the opportunities that God gives you to live generously. And they'll pop up all around you. And here's a little secret. Those opportunities were there all along. We just need God to open our eyes to them. Praying and asking God for opportunities is a way to open our hearts and change our perspective and, and get the lens off of us and turn it around and get it onto other people. I don't think it's any coincidence that just a few chapters before Jesus encounters the bleeding woman, he got up early and what did he do? He went out by himself and he spent some time in prayer. Prayer aligns our heart with God's heart. And it changes our perspective so we can live 
with a Holy Spirit-driven awareness every day. Now, because I am the way I am, because I believe in this so much, um, I thought I'd help us experience the power of living generously in this season and help us with developing uh, our ability to see. Now, ultimately, it's God. But what I really, my desire is to help us and, and you know, give you easy steps to take to experience God in ways that you may have never experienced. And I don't know if you know this, but we're in what we're calling a season of generosity. For the next couple of months, you know, we're going to have different opportunities to exercise generosity, not just with money, but with our time. And one of those ways is this. On the, at Guest Central, after service, uh, we made these cards. It's called a Season of Generosity, 24 Random Acts of Kindness. And every day, we want to challenge every single one of us to wake up and do one of these random acts of kindness. Let me give you an example. Um, like today, open the door for somebody. Uh, maybe tomorrow, invite someone to church with you for next Sunday. Maybe volunteer in the community. Maybe give someone a compliment. Take someone to lunch after service. I'll sign up. <laughs> Make someone smile today. They're not difficult, but they're little things that we can do that will help us develop a, uh, a heart to see the opportunities to live generously that God wants us to have. Maybe it'll start a conversation. Uh, bring treats to your local first responders. I talked about a few weeks ago, my wife every Christmas would bake cookies and we'd go give them to our neighbors in our cul-de-sac. Little things that have tremendous impact when you put it in the hands of God, of Jesus. Pray with somebody. Give someone a ride. Smile at everyone you see today. That would be weird. <laughs> Send someone a thank you note just because. Invite someone to Thanksgiving. Invite someone to Christmas Eve. The opportunities are endless. I want to help us develop that heart. Now, because I am the way I am, not only do you have a card, but we also want to encourage you to block it out like a bingo card. And at the end of the month, you know, because we want you not only to do that, we want to make, you know, if you go share your story on Facebook or share your story, and I'm not talking like, you know, hey, just wrote someone a note, hashtag blessed. No, be like, you know, share your story. Today, I wrote someone a note, and they came, and they thanked me profusely because it met a need right at the most perfect time. God is good. And tag Creekside Church on it. Tag Creekside Church, at Creekside MTZCA. Tag us, and then at the end of the, you know, the 24 days, we'll do something fun, like, uh, you know, a, a, a family pack movie night or something for all of those who post their story on our socials. But the point isn't for you to get something at the end. The point is for God to use this as an opportunity for you to live generously. Can we do that? I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I'll be available if you have any questions about this, but there, 
we, we have 200 cards made at Guest Central, and it just it's something easy for you to go, okay, I am going to make it a point to smile. God, prep my heart for that person to receive my smile. And let it be an opportunity for a conversation about the hope of Jesus. We're in it. It's a season of generosity. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Listen, I know I asked you to share your story on Instagram or Facebook. And you have to understand, living a life of generosity, this story, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with seeing a need. It starts with filling that need. It starts with awareness. And this is something that we don't stumble into. We don't fall into it. We don't trip into it. We need to be intentional with it. We need a perspective that creates awareness. And when God calls us, then we say, I am ready to take action. I think this quote sums it up beautifully. If you consider that you are a gift from God to other people in this world, then there really is something spiritual that takes place. When you believe that you are a gift from God, and I want to end our time this morning with that prayer I read earlier, and I want you to agree with me. Will you pray this with me? as we seek to become more aware of our opportunities to live generously in the world around us. Father, I want to experience the joy that comes from being generous. I ask that today, right now, that an opportunity to be generous will come my way, that you will open a door where I can live generously and impact the life of someone else, and that I will recognize it when it does. And that I will have the courage and the boldness to jump in and give what is needed to meet that need. And if you agree with me, say amen. amen. It's not about us. It's about asking God to use you as his hands and his feet to reach the world around us. That's all that this is. This is stuff that you would do on a normal basis if, if you were completely sold out to Christ. But I wanted to have a little fun with it this holiday season. Let's really make it a season of generosity, Creekside Church. And if we're known for nothing else, let it be the sacrificial love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we do it? Let's worship.